Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mysteries are fuel for our mind. They give it the opportunity to open the strange doors of possibility in search of an answer. Some might be solved in a few years, while others may lay unsolved for as long as our universe continues to exist. There are individuals out there who claim to have solved many of the world's mysteries, whether it's how the pyramids were constructed or the original herbs and spices contained within the Colonel's finger-licking chicken. But there are some people out there who do know the answer to many mysteries, and they choose not to come forward with those answers. They instead decide to fade into the shadows and not reveal the truth that they hold. Today, the mystery of what happened in room 1046 remains a mystery, but we will leave it to you to decide if the information that we have is actually enough to say that it has been solved. My name's Ben. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. It's going good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we're on vacation and doing this podcast. So we're a little bit out of our element ish, you yes. could say. We're not in our tiny home. We're in a cabin in Euclid, BC, which is just south of Tofino. So things are probably going to sound weird because mm-hmm. we're not using our regular microphones. We're in this cabin with this like tile floor and dogs are walking around and people are walking around outside the cabin to throw down the driveway area. So probably sounds strange yeah and i feel like we're maybe a little bit more relaxed than normal you know yeah it's a just a bit. good day and i'm looking outside at a uh at a nice doggo Ooh, going for a nice walk amazing well ours are probably bitter at us that we're recording like, podcast. why are we not out going for a walk well we got to get this done it was mm-hmm. supposed to come out today but uh due to getting ready for the trip and everything we had a little bit of struggle getting this episode recorded yeah so, so it's, it's about 12 hours behind Yes. Which isn't bad. No. We're we, doing our best. We made the dedication to still have this out, even though we're on vacation. So mm-hmm. hopefully you guys appreciate that. Yeah. Um, after this, so we are definitely going to go and appreciate the beautiful scenery around here. That is Tofino and Euclid. Well, yeah. Honey actually has not um, tried to drink from the ocean yet. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> it's always fun. Her first ocean experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have a, a secret beach you're going to take us to. I do. I do. I'm, I'm pumped to see your secret beach. I'm so beach. excited. It's just like heaven on earth. So heaven on earth. And it's not actually a secret beach. It's just no. like a, a public, 
like a, a local known beach, but the tourism place doesn't really go there, I guess. Well, yeah, they go to the one part of it, but then if you walk in quite a bit further, then like last year when Ripley and I were here, we had the one part of the beach where I'm going to take you all to ourselves for probably over an hour. Sweet. Which was awesome. That's was awesome. awesome. Well, it's going to be a good time. I know. I'm looking forward to it. And if you guys want to check out, we are going to put up a vlog on YouTube. And we are also putting up another vlog, a little bit more oriented, like on a, our travels to get here behind the scenes stuff for uh, Patreon. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be two vlogs coming up. And the YouTube is, it's called The Wicked Life. Just in case. Just Wicked Life. Oh, Wicked Life? I thought it was The Wicked Life. I'm pretty sure it's Wicked Life. Now we don't know. It, yeah, it's just Wicked Life. I'm okay. Looking, looking at it right now. So just go, like look in the search on YouTube, Wicked Life. Yeah. and Or it's in the description of this podcast too. And you don't even know the name of our own YouTube channel. Congratulations. You failed. I put a the in front of it. Remember when we did that? We were on our local news. Yeah. And at the end, didn't she ask us what our website was or how people could find us? And we're literally like, I don't know. We couldn't remember if there was podcasts on our website or yeah, not. Yeah. We had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, we always say it's all linked down below. We deal with it all the time, but we never spell it out. That's just know. us, though. That's that's true. Yeah. Um, but we got patrons to thank. Speaking of those patrons over on YouTube are over and patron and YouTube. Speaking of them, we have patrons to thank. <laughs> that was my thought process. We do. I was like, I was thinking we only had a couple um, this week, but there's quite a few. So this is great. Yeah. We have Maylin, Jen Woods, McKenna Marek, Marie, Jackie, and Felicia Godbold, who thank all you. joined us on Patreon. That's awesome. So they're definitely going to be getting that uh, that vlog mm -hmm. over there. They're going to be checking it out. So thank you guys for signing up. You mean the world to us. And even if you're just listening, you mean the world too, because it, this wouldn't be happening without you. So thank exactly. you. You ready to get into this? I'm ready. I think we've already uh, told everyone a little too much about our vacation. I think they want to hear the episode. Yeah, let's, let's move on. Okay. Well, this is the story of room 1046. Okay. Okay. Sounds uh, already a little bit scary. It kind of sounds like Stephen King. Or he something, had, like a novel of sorts that's like suspenseful. Yeah, exactly. Because like Stephen King had a room, uh, like a hotel room sort mm. of. I can't remember what his story was, but anyways, yeah. There's a few things that revolve around it. There's the Shining Bear room and then the room that the old lady's in the Shining. Yeah, lots of places occur in horror movies like this where it's a specific room. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what strikes people. Um, the fact this kind of went along with a, a specific room, so the room doesn't really have anything to do with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It just occurred in this room, and that's about it. Okay. So starting off, we have a man by the name of Roland. Now, Roland was a man who checked into the hotel president in Kansas City, Missouri, which is now the Power and Lights District. He checked in in the early afternoon on January 2nd, 1935. He registered under the name Roland T. Owen but gave no home address or any other personal information and paid for a one-night stay at the hotel. Now, spoiler alert, he did stay longer, so I'm assuming he paid for more nights, but initially he paid for just the one-night stay. Oh, okay. This is a long ways back, eh? It is. Back, 1935, you said? Yeah, back into the 30s. Wow. Now, this man was dressed rather nice in a black overcoat and was around 20 years old, maybe a little older. I did find accounts that said he was up to potentially 35 years old uh, as the way he looked, but... I'm pretty sure he was around early 20s by most accounts. Still fairly young. Exactly. So he had brown hair and a very distinct visible scar below the hairline on right above his left ear. Now, it was also reported that he had cauliflower ears. 
Mm, I know what that means. What what does that mean? I had no idea at first because I we used to watch a little bit of USC and a lot of the the fighters on there. It's from it's from boxing and like being kind of a fighter, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, they're not boxing. It's but common. Fighting. It's common. Here, I'll read you the write up that I that I put for this. Okay. So cauliflower ear, also known as hematoma oris, is a condition that occurs in one's ear when blood builds up between the cartilage of the ear and the skin from the ear being repeatedly struck or bent, causing trauma on the underlying cartilage. Kind of like a fingernail going blue after you smack it with a hammer or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's that blood pooling up under the nail. Same thing in the ear between the cartilage and the skin. But it actually never really heals, does it? Um, Unlike our nails that do. Well, it can. Okay. So the the ear actually begins to swell and like forms those lumps of this like fluid, which makes the ear resemble cauliflower from these like bulges. And if treated immediately, the lump can actually go away. Okay. If not treated immediately, then it remains permanently. So hmm. what they actually do to treat it is they'll take a syringe and they'll suck out all that fluid. Oh, my god! Before it, like, yeah. hardens. So regardless. Lovely. Hopefully no one's eating at this moment. Because <laughs> that's a bit gross. It's just a medical thing. It's a bit thing. gross. I mean, it is. But, um, I mean, because of this, though, it was assumed that he must have been, like, a boxer or a wrestler. That's mm-hmm. kind of what the hotel staff was assuming at the time. Because it is kind of like a common thing scene. Like we see, if you watch the UFC or any mixed martial arts, it's common for those guys to have cauliflower ears. So they kind of assumed that was his occupation or at least pastime. Okay. Now, Randolph Probst was working as a bellhop service and he helped roll into his room that night when he checked in. He carried no baggage with him. So Randolph was empty handed and escorted him up to the 10th floor where the room was. Randolph would have been very professional and courteous as they made their way. The hotel was a rather luxurious establishment and had a reputation for being one of the finest hotels in the Midwest. So he would have been quite, quite courteous on the way to the room. So as they walked, the two of them struck up some conversation, some small talk. And Roland mentioned that he had spent the previous night at the near, a nearby Malbec Hotel but found he paid, the rate he paid for $5 was rather expensive, so he decided to go somewhere else. And that was equivalent of about $110 today. Oh, okay. I was wondering because I was like, five bucks, yes. Yeah, so. But I, I just have to say, too, 110 bucks today would not get you like a super nice hotel. No, it wouldn't. No. That just goes to show how inflation is. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. At any rate, get it? At any rate. <laughs> At any rate, the two men eventually made their way up to room 1046. Um, it was overlooking the inner courtyard of the building. Now, apparently he was specifically requested to be on the inner part of the hotel for whatever his personal reasons. I don't know. Quieter, maybe. Maybe. Could have been, you know, not wanting to be on the outside with traffic or yeah. people yapping. Who knows? Because I've requested stuff like that before. Yeah. So it's just personal preference, most likely. Yeah. So... As I said, Roland didn't seem to pack too much. He actually didn't carry any luggage or any bags with him. So when they reached the hotel and Randolph opened the room and let Roland in, Roland reached into his overcoat pocket and pulled out three items. A brush, a comb, and toothpaste. Oh my gosh, I kind of love that. Right? Just needing that little. I mean, for someone staying in this hotel and regarding most of the clientele he sees, it was a bit odd, but he didn't really dwell on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So after he put these items in the room above the sink, the two of them left the room, closed the door, Roland locked the door, and then handed him the key. And away they went. Or sorry, Randolph locked the door and handed Roland the key. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. So Roland now had the key. Um, They returned to the lobby together, and the key now in Roland's pocket. He left the hotel through the front doors. 
So it was a little while later that evening when one of the hotel room cleaning staff was making the rounds. This woman's name was Mary Soaptick. Okay. Not Soap Dick. Soap Tick. Okay. Just just for the record. It sounded like Soap Dick, but I was just like not going to comment on that. I decided in my head, no, you're good. (laughs) S-O-P-T-I-C. Soap Tick. Okay. Soap Tick. But with the P in there. Yeah. Soap Dick. It sounds sounds like very much. Especially the way you say it. Yes. Well, I mean, I was listening to other people cover this um, quite a bit. And like the BuzzFeed Unsolved Network guys, they covered this uh, quite well. Uh, They shortened it a little bit. They but they condensed like the main information and mm-hmm. they had a good laugh over soap dick, <laughs> um, which I laughed hilariously on it as well. I mean, but it wouldn't be the best last name to have ever. No, but I did want to point out it's not soap dick. It's soap tick. Soap tick. Yes. Okay. So anyways, she was on, now on staff. She was a cleaning lady um, and she was making a rain way up to the 10th floor and she made her way to room 1046 and found Roland inside when she opened up. Now, she apologized for interrupting him in the room and was about to leave, but he said, no, no, it was no problem. She can go ahead and do whatever it was that she came to do for her job. So she did. She fixed the room up and kind of did some like the turnover stuff for like towels Mm -hmm. or whatever she needed to do, did some cleaning as per usual. But while she began cleaning, she noticed that he had the shades and the windows drawn and he left only one single lamp in the room to light it. It was rather dim in there. After a few minutes pass since she began cleaning... Roland put his overcoat and brushed, put on his overcoat and brushed his hair, then left. But before he did, he asked Mary that when she leaves the room to leave it unlocked when she was finished. Apparently, he was expecting some friends soon. Oh, okay. Hmm. So where's your head at? What are your thoughts on Roland so far? You know, my main thought right now, which is, I think it's just because I listened and researched too much true crime, but I'm just like, the hotel... Um, cleaners that come around and clean the rooms like that seems unsafe hey her going into his room by herself and stuff I that was literally where my mind was I was like oh my gosh like that's scary for her not that I thought anything would happen but I was just like there's a lot of jobs though today that can put you in situations that's true and I think like nowadays with rooms too they have identification of people and they have like credit card numbers so if anything were to happen it's like they can track him down. That's true. But back then, I feel like shit could go astray. I don't know. Like, Roland didn't even give his address. So there's oh. no way of tracking him down, right? I mean, he's very mysterious. I have no idea. I was, when I first, when you first said she was going in the room, I almost was thinking maybe he would ha- he was dead. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I actually, I don't, it's too early on for me to pre- be predicting. Well, I'm going to tell you now that we go through quite a bit of information before the incident actually occurs. Okay. So there's a lot leading up to what happens. Okay. So at this point, I can't I can't predict nothing. You can't predict nothing yet. I can't no. predict anything. Well, Mary wasn't able to predict anything either, and she was happy to oblige and continued her work, and she did as she asked when she was finished a little bit later on and left his room and left it unlocked. Okay. Now at 4 p.m. she returned to his room with fresh towels, you know, because when she was cleaning earlier, she took out the dirty ones, but coming back with new fresh ones later. Okay. Yep. So when she opened the door, because it was unlocked, she saw Roland laying in the bed, fully dressed in the dark with the door unlocked, mind you. Oh my gosh. She needs to leave him alone. He needs some time here. (laughs) Well, he was 
wide awake, just staring off into the dark. And I'm sure he would have looked over oh. at her when she entered. So I feel like he needs someone to talk to or some help, but okay. Well, he was clearly expecting someone because she also saw a note sitting on the bedside table next to him. Now, mind you, it was in the dark, but when she opened the door, light was spilling in from the hallway behind her. Right. And she was able to read this note clearly written, and it said, quote, Dawn, I will be back in 15 minutes. Wait. Huh. Okay. So I'm assuming this note was probably on the outside of the door at one point, and he took it off when he returned mm-hmm. and just kind of set it down. Yeah. So either way, he was clearly expecting someone by the name of Dawn. Yes, totally. So- So this man clearly was acting strange, and Mary didn't know exactly what to make of it. She also made some statements later on regarding this case, and she said this, quote, He always wanted to kind of keep in the dark. And she also said, quote, He was either worried about something or afraid. Hmm. I would, I'm going to say more so worried. You think worried? Because if he was afraid and shit, like he probably wouldn't just be laying on the bed with the door unlocked and stuff. If he was afraid, why would the door be unlocked? That's the big question. Well, yeah. Like it wouldn't be unlocked. Yeah. Yeah. So why did you say you don't think he's afraid? I think he's more worried. Okay. Oh, did I get that backwards? Or maybe I got it backwards. I don't know. I think he's more worried rather than afraid. Okay. Worried about what though? I think he's stressed about something. Okay. I think his mental health is in the gutter. Okay. okay. That's my guess. That's a respectable answer. Mm -hmm. Well, the next day, on January 3rd, Mary returned to his room at about 10.30 a.m. Room, of course, number 1046. This time, the door was locked from the outside, which must have meant that the man had left his room, right? Roland was gone because he left and locked it from the outside. Okay. But when she opened up the door to go inside and to clean, you think he was in there? Shit, I don't know. Roland was in the exact same spot, wearing the exact same clothes, with the lights out on the bed, wide awake. Awake still? Holy shit. But the door was locked from the outside. Okay, this is really fucked up. I also be like, if I was in this room, I wouldn't want to be disturbed this much. We're the kind (laughs) of people that go into a hotel and leave our, like, do not disturb tag on. and The whole time. The whole time. It's like, we don't need our room, like done anything to it we're good no if we need some new towels we'll just call the front desk yeah we'll come down and grab them like so at this point i'd be like excuse me can you just like fuck off we're (laughs) fine politely fuck off please but i mean this man seems like he needs to be checked on well i mean she is checking on the room at least so she's getting some of this information which is good um so when she came in the room and saw him sitting there he did allow her to come in and clean up again as before um, and while she began cleaning, she watched as the phone rang. Okay. So Roland answered the phone and this is what he said. No, Don, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. I just had breakfast. No, I'm not hungry. Now, after that, he didn't say anything else, but he didn't hang up the phone. He held on to it and proceeded to talk to Mary about her job as she cleaned. And soon she finished up and left. Now, again, at 4 p.m., Mary returned to the room. Good a- God. Again, with fresh towels. Yeah. Because this is the process. They go there, they clean, yeah. they remove remove stuff. Later, they do the rounds with fresh towels, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's doing a good job. She's doing her job. Yeah, she's being very diligent, mm-hmm. getting it done, doing her thing. Mary rocks. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so when she arrived, she could hear two men in the room. So she knocked politely before she entered. Now, a voice responded by asking, who's there? The voice was loud. And deep, 
and it didn't belong to Roland. Okay. She stated it was room service with fresh towels. And the man responded, we don't need any. Oh, wouldn't even let her in. Yeah. Which clearly wasn't true because she removed the dirty towels earlier in the day. So she knows they have no towels. Right. Right. So. And Roland was always great about having her come and do her job. Yep. So. So that night, as it rolled on, was a rather unusual one. Another hotel patron by the name of Jean Owen was checked into room 1048. Now, for clarification, um, the last name, Roland T. Owen and Jean Owen, have no correlation to each okay. other. Okay. It's funny. I was almost going to be like, Ben, that's the same last name. Is that yes. right? <laughs> I'm going to clarify now before you guys start going down that path. Um, once the event that we're leading up to occurs, they talk to Jean. She has a very solid alibi and she has no relation. Okay. 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 Thanks for clarifying yeah. that. I mean, if I was wondering, and I'm sure a lot of people were, so. Well, she reported that she heard men and women talking very loudly and profanely all over the floor that night. And an elevator operator named Charles Blocher also reported more than normal activity. He began his shift at about midnight and reported he was fairly busy until about 1.30 a.m. And that there was a large party occurring in room 1055. Okay, sorry. What room was rolling in? 1056? 1046. 1046. Okay. Yeah. And 1055 was hosting this rather large, obnoxious party. Okay. So now Charles doesn't remember one particular individual who he saw, or sorry, he does remember one particular individual who he saw on multiple occasions that night. Because remember, he's operating the elevator, so he's standing in the elevator, bringing it up and down, letting people to and from. That would be a fucking interesting job. It would be. I feel like. I can only imagine the individuals you would have conversation with. Yeah. And especially on a night like this, when people are drinking, the shit people are freely yeah. going to tell you. Because I'm, I'm kind of one of those people, I don't love like repetition for jobs and stuff, like repetitive jobs. Mm -hmm. And that would be one, but I'm like, that would be freaking interesting. I could do that job. I think that'd be dope. I think that might be one of the worst jobs as far as repetition goes. It would, but then you're also having new people in there and, and it could get really interesting because sometimes I feel like the conversations or the way people act in elevators is really odd. But I think that would get old really fast. Okay. Because that's I, true. I'm going to put it from my perspective. I did a very repetition based job mm -hmm. for the last like 15 years. Right. The best thing to make time go by is when you flick into autopilot and your mind is somewhere else. Oh, and you wouldn't really be able to do that there because exactly. you're having to make small talk with everyone. And exactly. And I mm -hmm. think that would make time go by very slowly. But if you're a social individual, not saying that you're not, but if you are, like I feel like you could kind of really chat and kind of get to yeah. know with uh, people in the short time they're in there. But yeah, even the small talk would probably get pretty um, repetitive too. Yeah. I can only imagine how many people in a single day you're saying, the weather's shitty today, isn't it? Yeah. It's raining. It's been raining for the last four days. When's it going to ever end? It's sure like, cold you know? out there. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, mind you, like you say, there's some people that might suit, some people that are a little more conversational or outgoing, might be a lot right up their alley sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I could see that getting old quick. Yeah, that's fair. So, who's to say? Anyways, the individual he did recognize was a woman and she'd been at the hotel times before as well and was assumed to be a sex worker. Now she came in sometime around 1 a.m. Now I did also find varying time frames on when she came in. 
Um, most said around like midnight to two, midnight to three or so. So I kind of, I'm not saying it was 1 a.m. I'm kind of just landing somewhere in the middle okay. and saying 1 a.m. Okay? okay. Late so, in the night. Exactly. Or early in the morning. Yeah. And she started by going to room 1026, not 1046. Okay. But she started with 1026. And then she was back at the elevator five minutes later as no one was at the room. Not because the service was that okay, quick. Okay, I was like, five <laughs> minutes? Whoa. She's good at her fucking job, okay? <laughs> um, but yeah, she went to 1026, returned five minutes later. No one answered the door when she knocked. And then she would visit 1046, Roland's room. Okay. And then from there, she would go over to 1024. And then down to the ninth floor to visit some more rooms and back to the 10th floor, presumably to 1026 again. But she visited a variety of rooms that night. At any rate, the amount of rooms or individuals more than likely uh, she visited is unknown. What we do know is it was multiple rooms and room 1046 was on that list. Was one of them on the list. Okay. Yeah. Then... At 4.15 a.m., the woman made her way to the lobby and left for the night. A few hours later, in the morning on January 4th, at about 7 a.m., a new switchboard operator, Della Ferguson, made her way into work. One of the first things was for her to do on her job was to proceed through a list of wake-up calls, one of which being room 1046. Okay. And these wake-up calls that she was calling, especially 1046 anyways, were 7 a.m. Sure, others were later. But Roland's was 7 a.m. So when she tried to get up to his room via the phone, she couldn't complete the call. His room's phone was off the hook. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she got into the switchboard, realized his phone was off the hook. She couldn't even attempt to make the call. Right. So she enlisted the help of Randolph, the same bellhop who assisted Roland to his room a couple nights prior, who was at work, to head up to his room and complete the wake-up call and inform him he needs to put the home phone back on the hook. Mm-hmm. So he made his way up to room 1046. The door was locked with a do not disturb sign hanging from the doorknob. He ignored the sign to pursue the wake-up call. Right. He began knocking loudly on the door and a voice from inside told him to come in. But of course he couldn't. The door was locked. So he knocked again. The same voice spoke yet again and told him, come in and turn on the lights. Ah, I wouldn't want to go in. No? How come? I don't know. I mean, I guess he wouldn't know. He doesn't know all this backstory. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but again, he, no one was unlocking the door. Yeah, he can't get in. He can't get in. So even if he didn't want to, he was stuck. Couldn't go beyond. You would think he would have a key of sorts, though. Well, they do. He just didn't bring it up, right? Oh, okay. So finally, Randolph shouted through the door to complete the wake-up call and inform him that he needs to hang up the phone back in the receiver. And then he left and walked back down the hallway towards the lobby. Okay. Randolph figured he was most likely drunk or hungover from the party on the 10th floor the night prior. Um, probably as many guests in that or on that floor in the hotel were less than a functional state this morning, right? That is a good assumption. So at 10.30 a.m., the phone in room 1046 was still off the hook. Mm. This time, another bellboy by the name of Harold Pike was sent to the 10th floor. The room was 1046, and there was still a do not disturb sign, and the door still locked. Still locked. But this time, Harold held that room key. So he fitted into the door lock and let himself in. Inside the room, as always, the lights were off. 
On the bed, he saw Roland laying there in the dark, reportedly drunk and naked. Oh, wow. There were dark spots surrounding him on the bed in a dimly lit room, which Harold could only assume was spilt drinks from having too much fun the night prior. He decided to leave, decided to leave Roland B and not disturb him, clearly as he was in rough shape from the night before. So he saw the phone laying there off the hook and hung it up quickly by putting it back in the receiver and left the room. Oh my gosh. I don't feel like he is drunk. No? What do you feel like he like maybe is? Maybe he's hurt or something. You think so? Well, this wasn't the end of their visits to room 1046. It wasn't long after that they would be notified by the operator that the phone in the room... Off the hook again? ...was once again off the hook. See, he's using this phone for help. It was about 10.30 a.m. Randolph was once again making his way up to the room. On his arrival... He was once again greeted by the do not disturb sign and a locked door. He knocked and heard no response. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He brought up the key, so he thought, hey, I'm going to let myself in, and I'm going to put the phone back on the hook, and away we go. So he let himself into the room. And when he opened the door, he was greeted with a sight he wasn't expecting. Shit, What? Roland was only about two feet away from the door, Ugh. on his knees and elbows, and he was grasping his head, covered in blood. Oh my gosh, he? He definitely was trying to get someone's attention yes, for assistance. Yes, he needed fucking help. Randolph quickly turned on the lights to see if his eyes were playing tricks on him, and that's when he noticed there was blood on the bed, blood on the walls, <gasps> the bathroom, and the hotel room. So that dark spots on the bed was actually probably blood, not spilled drinks then. Correct. Mm -hmm. It was blood on the bed. So understandably, he quickly ran downstairs for help and returned with the hotel's assistant manager. However, as they went to open the door again, this time Roland had slumped over and was blocking the door. Oh no. They could only get it open about six inches. Holy shit. After a few moments of trying to communicate with him and getting him to move, Roland eventually was able to stand to his feet and move to sit on the edge of the bathtub nearby, allowing them to open the door and enter. Okay. Using the phone in the room, the assistant manager phoned the police and they were joined by a medical professional when they arrived. And that medical professional was Dr. Harold Flanders of Kansas City General Hospital. Harold Flanders. Harold Flanders. There we go. Yeah. Diddly. <laughs> Just throwing that out there because <laughs> Simpsons fans know. Yeah. Anyways, the scene they arrived to was startling. As I mentioned, the room was splattered with blood on the walls, the ceiling, the bed, you name it. This couldn't all have been his own blood either, could it have been? It's, and him still be alive? There's no other blood splattered as far as I have been aware of. Okay. It is his blood. Goodness. Roland's head was covered in blood and it was 
clear that he had been strangled with a cord as his neck was bruised and the cord was still wrapped (gasps) around his neck. Holy shit. He also had cordage binding his wrists and binding his ankles. Oh my gosh. They probably, whoever did this to him left probably thinking he was dead. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because he also had multiple stab wounds in his chest Uh. above his heart and one of the wounds was deep enough to puncture his lung. Holy heck. And the stab wounds weren't the only cause of the blood either that covered the room. It was clear he had taken multiple blows to the head, which left him with a skull fracture on the right side. Okay, the fact that this man is still alive is a miracle, is it not? He had been beaten, stabbed, and strangled. He had the shit beaten out of him. Yes. Uh-oh. Oh, the doggos can hear stuff outside. I think they're good. Okay. Maybe they're just upset with all the shit that Roland went through. Yeah, they're reacting too. This is, whoa. Yeah, well, I mean, what he must have been feeling though, like think about it. He would have been feeling this for some time. When his wake-up call was scheduled for 7 a.m. and the bellhop knocked on that door, Roland responded by saying, come in, but did not answer the door himself. Yeah, so he needed help in there. But he could have just said help. But he didn't, but he didn't answer the door. He was probably most likely bound at this time. Oh, like there could have still been somebody in there. There could have been. Oh my gosh. But he clearly was at least being inflicted or have already been inflicted with these injuries at this time at 7 a.m. Right. So. And then they came up again, sorry to interrupt at like 10.30 or 40 or something? It was 7, 8.30 and 10.30. It would have been three more hours, oh, basically, okay. before it would would be identified that wow. he needed help. Wow. So, at any rate, Dr. Flanders cut the cords from Roland and asked him who had done this to him. Mm-hmm. Roland's response? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. This man, this man is very, I don't know any other word other than mysterious, eh? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a very good word for this. Yeah. Um. The doctor was just as confused as you are, though, because, like, clearly this didn't happen just on its own. Like, if nobody inflicted these injuries to him, then who? Yeah, he wouldn't be doing this to himself. So, rightfully so, the doctor asked next, well, what was the cause of your injuries? Mm -hmm. And Roland simply said he had fallen and hit his head on the bathtub. Wow. And a cord just miraculously went around his neck and, and all this other shit suddenly just appeared wow okay yeah. that is you can't use that one for this no it was clearly a fabricated story yeah uh the doctor knew something was up and he thought well maybe some of these if not all were self-inflicted so he asked roland if he tried to take his own life and roland spoke one word in reply no no, okay. And right after that, he lost consciousness. Oh my gosh. Please, Did he die? Did he die? Well, he was quickly rushed to hospital. And shortly after he arrived, he succumbed to his injuries. Oh. And he passed away after midnight on January 5th. See, I don't freaking know why, but I have a soft ass spot for Roland. <laughs> you do? I do not know why. This guy could be super sketch and super bad dude. But for some reason, I like am over here rooting for him. And I'm like... Probably going to regret that, right? <laughs> As shit comes out. We'll, we'll let you decide that. Okay. Um, so via his injuries and the blood spatter patterns in the room, Dr. Flander uh, estimated that his injuries were sustained sometime between 4 and 5 a.m. Okay. Which is another two hours even before his first wake-up call. Right. 
He sure lasted a long time. Like he did survived a long time with those um, those kind of injuries. It's yep. quite impressive. Really. And imagine would he possibly have survived if it was discovered at seven a.m. rather uh, than ten thirty? Well, not necessarily though. That was so long ago too. Like they didn't have really maybe the medical care that we would have today. That's true, but it's hard to say. Regardless, though, detectives searched room 1046 and found very little. They found his three personal belongings that we discussed at the beginning, a tag for a necktie that was made by the New Jersey company. And they also noted that the shampoo, soap, and towels were all missing from the room. Now, we knew the towels were missing, right? Kind of. I couldn't clarify if the towels were replaced or if they had just never been replaced once that incident occurred of, yeah, we don't need any towels. Oh, okay. So I'm unsure if the towels, the towel situation, but the shampoo and soap were missing. Yeah. Where did Mary go? Hey, I feel like she was just there for that one. That was her name, right? Mary? Yeah. Just there for like that one day kind of. No, she did her job the two days. Oh, okay. And now this morning of the wake up calls is when they found him. Okay. So she would have then been going to do her job here soon. Right. So. You're just trying to throw her under the fucking bus. Mary sucks at her well, fucking no, job. No, I was just like, where Jesus. did Mary go? I liked Mary. You're trying to throw her under the bus. I was not. Mary's cool. You we're... said she did her job for like one day. <laughs> hey, no, okay, maybe that came out so wrong. I meant like, where the hell did Mary? Like, okay, I'm just going to stop talking. I do like Mary. Mary did really good. But I was just kind of wondering where she was this day. You're a Mary hater, aren't you? I actually really like Mary. Is it because her name sounds like Dick? Well, she needs some props to her. Like, she probably didn't have it easy all the time with that kind of last name, right? And I can't imagine that, uh, like, a room service job in any sort of capacity would be an easy job either. I imagine that you're probably dealing with unruly guests on a frequent basis. Yeah. Where are my towels? I need more soap. Like, fix this. Fix that. I don't know. I feel like people have gotten more assholey as time has gone on. Maybe they weren't as bad then. Assholey. Assholey. Like, I don't know. I just think people's expectations and stuff have gone... As time goes on, they get higher and higher, and sometimes people become ruder and ruder. Yeah. Should I not be saying that on here? That's my opinion. No, it I'm does seem like it. as the years progress, people seem to get more and more ignorant. But it's it's hard to to fully assess, especially when you're looking back at a year yeah, like this. So. I wasn't there then. I have no idea. Um, but we digress. Back to this. The fact that they didn't actually find much in the room um, didn't give them, of course, any leads to go with either. However, it also gave them reason to rule out a lot, too, because there wasn't much in the room. For example, suicide. There was no knife in the room, and Roland was stabbed. Okay, yep. So someone else must have been present Yeah. at least remove the knife. Yeah, because if he did that to himself, it would still be there. Yes. Um, Now, there are also reports of four small fingerprints found on the room's phone which couldn't be matched to Roland or any of the hotel employees who'd been known to enter that room. Um, It's thought that via the size of these fingerprints being smaller, that it's most likely a woman or a female of the sorts. Okay. Um, But, I mean, this is also a hotel. What if they just didn't wipe the room, the the Uh, phone down the last week or something? Yeah, which could very well be the case. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if I would say that the fingerprints on their phone are very much of anything personally. So this story, of course, was blowing people's minds, and it was published in local papers on the front page as the police tried to reach out to the public for assistance. And Detective Johnson told reporters, quote, there is no doubt that someone else is mixed up in this, which, mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of already clarified, but we clarified via their facts anyway, so... 
Um, the police sought help through the press. Both the city's evening newspapers carried the story on their front pages. Now, after police began investigating Roland's death, it quickly became apparent that his name was most likely an alias. Really? Yes, as they couldn't find any records of him when they were wanting to notify any sort of family or next of kin. Okay. In the coming weeks, police followed many false leads given on Roland's real identity, and all their trails went cold. None of them proved to be real. Dang. March 3rd rolled around, and a funeral was being set to lay the mysterious man to rest. So they announced in the paper, in a column, that his burial was going to occur, and it mentioned that he'd be laid to rest in the city's Potter's Field. Now, the Potter's Field is a place where they lay to rest unidentified persons. Okay. Um, I looked up a little histor- historical thing on that, and I guess a Potter's Field is where they um, originally would be, be like digging up clay and stuff. But how that relates to unidentified people, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah. a Potter's Field is unidentified persons mm-hmm. area, basically. That's sad. It's kind of sad. So he's probably going to just be laid to rest all alone. Yeah, exactly. And that's what people are reading in the column. And um, someone somewhere out there read that and uh, decided to put that plan quickly to a halt. Okay. Decided to attend the burial. No, not to attend the burial. They decided he's not going into a potter's field. Oh, really? The very same day that column went out into the newspaper. They received a man from a call from a man who requested the funeral be delayed. The man wanted to send money to be given to them to use as, for service and for his burial at Memorial Park in Kansas City, hmm. because this way he could be laid near his sister. Oh, somebody knew. What? The funeral director, just like you, is speechless. Okay. Um, after a moment on the phone, um, he said, like, Look, I've got to be reporting this to the police. I can definitely do what you're asking, but just so you know, this conversation is going to the police. Like, I can't not say anything, right? Right. Um, and that didn't bother the man on the phone in the slightest. In fact, when the funeral director pressed and asked about his death, the man on the other end of the phone said, Roland had an affair with two women while engaged with another, and the two women got their revenge. Oh. Then just before the man hang up, hung up, sorry, he said, quote, cheaters usually get what's coming to them. That's true. That's very true. It's true. So. But I'm still like, come on, I kind of liked Roland. What the fuck? I don't like that. Well, of course, no one does like any sort of cheater in, in that capacity for sure. But uh, who is this man is a big question. Yeah. And what does he know? So regardless of who this man was or what, whatever, they thought, okay, well, let's see if this is going to play out as the man says. So they listened, they postponed the service, and 20 days later, on March 23rd, they received an envelope containing $25, which is about $550 today, which was enough to cover the service and putting him in the other grave. Okay. Now, there were also two additional envelopes containing $5 each sent to a local florist for arrangement of 13 roses to be laid on his grave. Wow. With a note that said, love forever. Louise. Oh, wow. Wow. But also 13 flowers cost the same as an overnight hotel in a fancy ass place. Maybe it was a tip. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Hmm, who's so Louise? The plot thickens. Mm-hmm. Well, rightfully so, police watched the grave like a hawk in the coming days after his burial. They even oh, went okay. as far as being 
posing as undercover grave diggers in the cemetery to see if they could find anyone to come and visit the grave. That's smart. But no one did. Oh, wow. And this was next to his sister, apparently. Not next to Roland's sister, next to the phone. Oh, the phone, the person on the phone's sister. Yes, and not next to him, just like within the same graveyard. Okay. So, I mean, how are they going to identify who that is even when you're in a full-ass graveyard? Mm-hmm. So. So do we even know if this person who phoned knew Roland? Or he must, they have, must have, I guess. They especially must have. if Louis. Okay. What kind of stranger would phone in and say, hey, I'm going to pay for the full service to go in a different graveyard so they're located near my sister and then also give information that he got what's coming to him because he's cheating? Right. But he still had a soft spot for him like I do. <laughs> Clearly. So, because he's a cheater, but he's still going to pay for him to actually have like a a burial. Exactly. So my assumption is that sister that he was being laid near is probably his fiance or something who may have also been killed then, or uh. maybe it was next to his own sister. But also that doesn't add up too because we'll figure out something else here later on. But okay, it, things just don't. Like it doesn't make sense. And do we get to learn who Louise is? Um, you, that's all we know about Louise. What the shit? That is all we know about Louise. 13 roses, though. That t- sometimes 13 isn't necessarily a good number. Yeah, but also you're thinking Baker's dozen, though, too, right? Yeah. Okay. So, because nowadays we just go dozen roses. That's that's standard. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, like, Baker's dozen, because if you drop one or one goes bad or one dies, right? right? So, okay. Um, now it is noted, though, that after the funeral service, um, a woman phoned the Kansas City Journal Post newsroom to inform them that, to inform them that they did get him a proper burial, um, and he's not at rest in a potter's grave. Okay. Now they asked the woman to identify herself, but she simply said, "Never mind, I know what I'm talking about." And then, when pressed further about if she knew anything else about the man, she replied, "He got into a jam, then hung up the phone." Well, yeah. You could consider that a jam for yeah. sure. I mean, if you killed, I'm pretty sure you got yourself into a jam. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. But I mean, also the, I don't know, I'm just going back to the people that heard the voices and stuff in his room and they were men. But I guess it, just because the women got their revenge doesn't necessarily mean that men didn't still kill him. Yeah. So, okay. Sorry, my brain just, the men, I'm just thinking out loud here. If there are men involved like this, Dawn potentially he could have been someone for hire. Okay. See, I envisioned Dawn being a woman. Dawn. Well, it's spelled D-O-N, not D-A-W-N. Oh, okay. Okay. I, for some reason, just went that yeah. it was a woman. No. Okay. Like my dad, his name is Dawn. Yeah. D-O-N. Yeah. Right? And typically when you see a female spelling, it's D-A-W-N. Yeah, exactly. So. Okay. Um, Where where am I here now? I completely lost track of what I was doing. You got okay. this. There okay. you go. I found it. It seemed like no one would be able to identify the man who was murdered in 1046, um, that he'd be laid to rest as a stranger, even in his new grave. And these mystery, mysterious callers and history basically would only ever refer to him as his alias, hmm. right? Roland. Yeah, which is so odd. That is, until one more phone call would come in and identify him. Okay. Spill. It was about a year and a half later in 1936, a woman named Ruby Ogletree from Alabama phoned the police. She phoned the individuals who were responsible for his investigation. um, And she's like, hey, 
I was reading an article that was written in the American Weekly about this case with a photo of the man. And she claimed that this man looked a lot like her son, who was hitchhiking in California in 1934. She was able to give enough identifying features of the man, including the scar over his left ear by his hairline, to confirm that this was her son. Wow. And his name was Artemis Ogletree, which I fucking love that name. Yeah, I thought Roland was a cool name, but it got better, eh? Artemis Ogletree? Wow. Holy fuck. I wish that was my name. <laughs> if Ben ever changes his name, that's going to be it. Hey? If I ever have an alias, you damn right it's going to be Artemis Ogletree. <laughs> like, that, that is just, a pretty cool name. That flows so good. It yeah. sounds dope. I'm Mr. Ogletree. My name's Artemis. Artemis Ogletree. Like, yeah. hell yeah. Like almost a name like that. That man's going to do stuff or good things in his life. Just, eh? just picture this. Just think of like a documentary or some memoir or some sort of thing about this guy's life. Mm-hmm. And it's just titled. The Adventures of Artemis Ogletree. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Yeah, if you're judging a book by its cover, you'd grab that one. Fuck yes. This (laughs) dude is doing some cool shit. (laughs) Except that he got got murdered. Yeah, but he was definitely doing some shit. He was doing something. He he was living his life. He clearly was on some sort of adventure. Didn't lead him down the right path, but he was doing some adventuring. That's for sure. Um, Anyways. While Artemis was hitchhiking, he did start out writing letters to his mom while traveling, but did eventually stop. Now, there is one only one problem here. She was still receiving letters after he was killed. Really? I was drinking wine at that time, but I was like, what? I don't know if anyone literally heard Nicole's gulp in the microphone. Still writing letters to her after he had supposedly died. Yes. Wow. So in early 1935, she received a typed letter, which she found very suspicious, which said he, I mean, she said she, he, that he didn't know how to type. So that was a big thing right okay. there. Okay. And it was written in a very informal style that didn't suit his normal writing. So she was very we, weirded out by this mm-hmm. letter a bit. And then in May of 1935, another letter that was handwritten said that he was heading off to Europe. Now, in August, she received a phone call from a man in Tennessee claiming that Artemis had saved his life and that Artemis couldn't actually call her himself because he was living in Cairo, Egypt, where he had married a wealthy woman. What the fuck? So this man she was on the phone with talked to her for about half an hour. Now, she was leery of this man and said that he was like kind of off his fucking rocker, but he did also seem to have personal firsthand knowledge of her son. Wow. So clearly he at least knew him. So why would some of this stuff he's saying be a lie? Okay. My brain is what? Also that one letter that she got in like May, was it his handwriting? Hand or like, was it his writing? We'll touch on that shortly. Okay. Um, they did look up manifests for shifts, ships heading to Cairo within those timelines, and no manifest was ever found having an Artemis or Roland on okay. board. Hmm. Now, police had the man's real name and some more information. They were actually able to do a bit more investigating. They didn't find much more, though, but they did find that under the name Artemis, he'd actually stayed at another hotel a few nights prior Which he did say. He did say. And he had shared a room with another man. Okay. That individual is unknown. 
Now, the theory here is that that man may have been the, quote, Don that we had that written note and the conversations to while he was staying in the infamous 1046. So the final piece to this puzzle, though still only speculation, comes in the form of a man named Joseph Martin. Now, Joseph was later arrested on murder charges for killing a man in a hotel room that they shared a hotel with and then later shoving his body into the trunk of his car. One of Joseph's aliases that he used, Donald Kelso. Oh my God, my brain, I'm so fucking confused right now. Okay, first of all, when he was in this, I have questions, okay? Okay. Because I don't know what the fuck's going on right now. So when we had, when he was at the hotel with the other man, was he checked in as Roland or? Artemis. Artemis. Which is why they didn't find it before. Okay, and now Dawn has been murdered, correct? No. No, Dawn murdered someone else. Dawn has never been identified, this mysterious Dawn. Okay. However, the theory is there's this individual named Joseph Martin. Okay. Who also committed and is charged for another hotel murder. Okay. One of his aliases- Is Dawn. Is Donald Kelso. Wow. Now back to that written letter to Artemis's mother. That handwriting just so happens to match Donald Kelso, Joseph Martin, whatever you want to call him. Not Artemis, though. No, not Artemis. But it does match this guy who is now charged for another murder. Wow. Okay. This is this is all over the place. So No full connection has ever been made, which means no criminal charges have ever been filed in Artemis' murder case in room 1046. This case is still unsolved. It is still a mystery. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) This is wild. You always do these fucking cases that everyone just like... (laughs) They're like... Yeah. So you didn't like this case? No, I do like this. But now I'm like the rest of my day, I'm going to be fucking thinking about it. (laughs) Thinking about Artemis Ogletree? Yeah. Because I'm just like so curious if that actually was Artemis in that room. But then they had photos and the mom said that was. So They're they're pretty damn sure that's Artemis. It's like the features and everything she gave, like this is fucking him. But it also makes sense that he would have died in that other hotel when he shared the room with the Joseph guy, Joseph Don or jo- Don Joseph or whatever the fuck. If it is him who did it. Yeah. I mean, there's huh. so much speculation re- revolving around this case. And that's the thing that I started at the beginning. It is a mystery. It's an unsolved case, but there's information here that says it might actually be solved. We just don't have the evidence yeah. to prove it. Yeah. Well. Would you say this is solved? Um, I think we might have found our killer, but I don't think the case in itself is unsolved because clearly there's other individuals who are involved. Yes. These jilted women, for example. He's clearly created this, I was going to say love triangle, but there's more people involved for it to be a love triangle. There's three other women in total at least. Mm -hmm. We have someone who wanted him to be having a proper burial. Who is that? We have another individual who might be one of these three women who said, you know, that sent the love letter to his grave with roses. 
So who's that? How mm-hmm. is she involved? And if it is this whole like love relationship, how did this Joseph guy, AKA Donald or Don, how did he become involved? Is he just for hire? Is he related to one of these women? Is he maybe um, their new love interest? Potentially. Maybe he's actually someone who works with Artemis on some other thing. And it's something else completely. And there's just two things that just happen to be going on at the same time. And one of them is what killed him. And we're looking at the other for how this one's involved when really it's not even involved at all. What if those women didn't get their revenge? Mm-hmm. What if someone else got to him for something else completely different first? first? And what happens is if, if Artemis was in that other room with Joseph, maybe they killed someone else. Could have been someone else. Yeah. Maybe Artemis is a killer himself. Maybe. So I think we found the individual to kill Artemis, but the whole last story revolving around what had happened, how it all happened. Yeah. No fucking clue. Hmm. Wow. This is an interesting one, hey? Yep. I found this one on Reddit. Mm, you and your Reddit. <laughs> Love Reddit. <laughs> um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully the audio um, wasn't too echoey. I know the dogs were walking around a couple times and we're taking sips and cans getting set down on the table and stuff. There's so, people outside, but. Um, hopefully it was still enjoyable. Hopefully that uh, maybe some of the post editing can take out some of that extra noise for you and you don't even tell the fucking difference. There you go. And hopefully you just had a wicked time. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, finish, and our drinks are both done at this perfect time, hey? Perfect. Look at us go. Right? Um, to wrap all this up, all of our information is down below. If you want to find our website, social medias, our Patreon, where you can join and give some extra support to the show and get all that extra behind the scenes content, like a new episode at the end of the month that is exclusive to Patreon. Mm-hmm. All those links are down below. Yeah. So should we go hit up a beach? I think we should. Let's go uh, chill, relax, and get some content for Filming those vlogs. Yeah. Do and, some adventuring. And de-stress. But I'm going to throw a beer in my back too because <laughs> I need another. It's, Absolutely. We're vacation mode. Yeah. What else do you do on vacation? You drink and do true crime podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks for being here. You guys are all awesome. And until next time. Stay wicked. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.